O Lord, we give you thanks for your word that you open to us by your spirit. That word that shows us Jesus and brings us into his presence this day. May we have open eyes and open hearts. We pray this in his name. Amen. So how many of your friends, family, and acquaintances do you think are in the church today? Now, I'm not asking because it's the Victoria Day weekend and people across the province are off opening their cottages, or more would be if we had more than two days like this in the past month. The reason I'm asking this question is because, for most of us, I suspect the answer is not many. In the 2011 household survey, oops, 24% of Canadians identified as having no religion. This has been a growing trend for the last 50 to 60 years. Back in 1971, only 4% of Canadians gave this answer on the census. But what's just as significant is that while 2 out of 3 Canadians, 67%, identify as some kind of Christian, only 1 in 4 attend worship regularly. Now, the truth is there were always a number of people who stayed home many or all Sundays, even in the most religiously devout and intense times in the past, either because they didn't have a Christian faith or they didn't see them, or if they did see themselves as Christian, they didn't feel the need to be a part of a church for whatever reason. This was true of my dad's father who made sure that he, he went to, ch- to Sunday school every week to a church that his father never attended. But what has changed in the past 50 to 60 years is that an overwhelming majority of Canadians now see no reason to be active in a church or attend a worship service on a Sunday. Now again, there are a lot of different perspectives on why this is the case here in Canada, Europe, and more recently in parts of the United States. But that's not my focus here today. My purpose today is to consider where God is in this situation and how people who follow Jesus can respond to their neighbors who choose to stay at home, golf, or go to the cottage on most Sundays. The first thing to keep in front of us is that God has not given up on the world in the last century. And neither have most people in the world given up on God or at least something spiritual. It's worth keeping in mind that the majority of the world continues to be made up of people of faith. Depending on who's doing the counting, people who are agnostic or atheist only make up between 10 and 20% of the world's population, depending who's counting. Mostly in Europe, North America, and China. The overwhelming majority of people alive today have some kind of faith or spirituality. There are 2.4% billion Christians in the world, one-third of the world's population, and this number continues to grow in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. But even even if this weren't the case, it wouldn't mean that God had left the picture. While God prefers to act through people who love and trust him, God is at work in the world whether people know or believe in him or not. And this is what we see in the story we read in the book of Acts today. 2,000 years ago, the only people in the world who knew and worshipped God, as God truly is, were the Jewish people. And only because God had chosen to reveal himself to them specially. There were other religions and faiths, but 
as the book of Acts says elsewhere, these other religions were the result of people searching for their creator and trying to find some meaning. For one ancestor, God made all nations to inhabit the whole earth so that they would search for God and perhaps reach for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from each one of us, in him we live and move and have our being. The Bible suggests that there is something inside every human being that longs for the one who made us and sustains us. Even if we don't know who or what God is, that longing is in us. And this urge is what stands behind most human religion. Yet the Bible also tells the story of how this God who made us revealed himself over time to the family of Israel. And then fully through Jesus, God's Son, and Israel's Messiah. Yet when God came into the world in Jesus, not everyone recognized him. Many Jewish people did. And it's important to remember that all these first followers of Jesus were Jewish. But even as these early Jewish followers of Jesus tried to persuade their neighbors that Jesus was the Messiah and Son of God, God began to direct them afield to people of other nations, people different from themselves, people they wouldn't have normally even talked to, people who didn't know God as they did. But think of how overwhelming this situation must have seemed to those early Jesus followers. When we meet Philip at the beginning of this story, the early Christians are a tiny minority of a tiny minority. The Jewish people at this time were a small nation scattered across the known world, and only a few of them knew believed and followed Jesus. Only a few thousand people in a world of over a hundred million at this time. How could God be in that? Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Acts is the story of the first days of the Christian movement. After Jesus had died, been raised, and returned to be with God in heaven. And even though Jesus isn't physically a part of the story, Acts isn't a story about what people did after Jesus was gone. God and Jesus are in the story on every page in every narrative, working behind the scenes through these people by the Holy Spirit. Acts continues the story of Jesus and God's work in the world, and everything that happens in it is the work of God, even when things seem to be going against the faithful. It's worth noting that Philip is out here on the road because he and many other followers of Jesus have been driven out of Jerusalem by the religious authorities. It seemed like a disaster, yet even God was at work then. As soon as Philip was driven out of Jerusalem, he found himself in Samaria. There he was alone among people who worshipped the God of Israel, but did so quite differently from Jews like Philip. Jews, as he, Jews and Samaritans did not talk to each other. Yet these people welcomed him, and his message about Jesus, about Jesus was received enthusiastically, and many came to believe and were baptized. So if Philip was feeling down when he had to run from Jerusalem, 
by the time we meet him out here on the wilderness road, he knows that God, Jesus, and the Spirit are guiding his steps, that they are with him. Things hadn't gone to plan. Yet God was still God. And his message about Jesus was going to spread through people like Philip and work in ways he could have never imagined. And God is still God today. Jesus is still risen, alive, and at work in the world right now. Even here in Canada, the chairs and pews might be empty in many churches in Canada today, and many others might have closed their doors. But God is still God, and He has a purpose beyond what we can see. And even though many no longer call themselves Christians, and many others who hold on to that word don't feel a need to be a part of a church, it doesn't mean they've stopped looking for God. Those, those who aren't in church today are a very diverse group. There's been a lot of research done on this in the past few decades. One, one way of making sense of the different places people are today has been summed up by these two words, the nuns and the duns. The nuns are people who told the census they have no religion. Yet this doesn't mean they're atheists or even agnostics. In fact, only some are. More common are people who are likely to say they are spiritual but not religious. They're open to there being something more to life, even if they wouldn't necessarily call it God or look for it in a church. The duns, on the other hand, are people who still think of themselves as Christian. And many have strong Christian beliefs, but they've walked or been driven away from church, or at least from organized forms of church. These are people who helped, who hoped to find Jesus in church and went away disappointed. They longed for God's kingdom and instead found a religious club. They looked for a community of love and forgiveness and instead found judgment. They hoped for a place where faith could be supported through struggles and doubt but found no place for questions or dialogue. They wanted to help live a good life and make a difference in the world and they got moral platitudes. Duns were usually quite active in church and might have been leaders or even clergy until they simply had enough disappointment and walked or were driven away. And of course there are those who fall somewhere in between. People who used to be a part of a church consider themselves Christian in some sense, but have just drifted away without really being able to explain why. Other than to say that going to a worship gathering on a Sunday just doesn't seem that important anymore. Yet whether our friends, neighbors, or acquaintances, our nuns, duns, or somewhere in between, there are many people out there who are looking for something or someone As the great Christian philosopher St. Augustine once said, God, you have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Not everyone recognizes this, this, this restlessness. There are plenty of things to distract us in Canada today. We are incredibly busy people. But it's there deep down if we haven't found our way to God. And study after study shows there are many people who are still searching today. Now some of you may be here today because you are searching. 
Some of you may be here because you were searching and have started to find what you've been looking for here in this community we call St. Andrews. But whether you are searching or have found the God who made you, the amazing message of the Bible is that God finds us first. Let me say that again. We search for God, but God finds us first. We see this in the story of Philip and Acts, but we hear it most beautifully and profoundly in the psalm we, 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 set, we spoke together earlier. It's one of my favorites. Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the grave, you are there. If God is with us even when we try to run and hide, how much more will God be there when we turn and search for him? And even if our search has left us frustrated and disappointed, and we find ourselves back on the road again, God still comes to find us. On that first Easter day, so many of Jesus' disciples were disappointed, scattered. They hid in houses in the city or left to go back home. They had hoped for God's Messiah and thought that they had searched in vain. Yet the newly risen Jesus found them on the road and opened their eyes when they invited him in to break bread and they reached their destination. In Jesus, God finds us. And suddenly there and on the road we find We're home. God finds us in Jesus. And when we realize this, that we have been found by the one we are looking for, Jesus sends us to find others who are also searching. But Jesus does not send us off alone. He sends us with the Spirit, and he lives within us as we hit the road. That's the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. If it had been up to Philip alone, he probably would have walked right past that Ethiopian man. Not only was this a man of wealth and power, unlike Philip and the other early disciples who were ordinary people, this man, Acts tells us, was a royal treasurer from the reigning queen of Ethiopia. But this man was also the kind of person that Philip would have never thought of as a seeker. Well, there have been a community of Jews in Ethiopia for centuries. Some said it went back 800 years to the time of King Solomon. Most Jews in Israel had no idea they existed. We don't know if the Ethiopian in this story was a convert to Judaism or had some Jewish ancestry in spite of his outward appearance. But somewhere along the way, he had read the Bible and had gone to worship God in the temple at Jerusalem. The irony was he wasn't able to go in. As a eunuch, a man who had been castrated, he would have had to stay outside the temple walls. The law of Moses didn't allow anyone who was deformed or missing something to enter the temple. And and this, this, this excluded a fair number of people. Eunuchs were fairly common in the ancient world, especially in royal courts where men who couldn't have children or start affairs with the queen were seen as a safer choice for royal officials. But this man, like many others, could not enter the temple. So why did this Ethiopian come to Jerusalem then? 
Perhaps he just wanted to get close to the one he was looking for, even if he wasn't allowed to go into God's house. The story says he had a copy of the book of Isaiah, which includes a prophecy that one day eunuchs like him will be welcomed into God's house. Perhaps he went and came away disappointed. We don't know. But then the Spirit of God spoke to Philip, and God found him on his way back home. God found this man who couldn't go into his temple. This person who was searching was suddenly found. His eyes were opened to Jesus, and he was baptized there right on the road. Philip began that that very passage of Scripture, that question this man had, and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? There is good news for us here today, whether we are here as a seeker or whether we recognize that we have been found. If you're a seeker, you're here with people who have been called and equipped by God's Spirit to help you recognize Him, to find Him and be found by Him in Jesus. Jesus gave His Spirit to those who know and love Him. And where they are, God is too. And if you're here as a seeker, I believe that this is a place where you can be found. No matter where you are in your journey. For those of us who have sought for God and know that we have been found by Him, the good news is that we aren't the only ones searching for God today. Looking for God. Longing for God. In a place in time where it can feel like the story of the church might be coming to an end. In this story from the beginning, we are reminded that the Spirit of God is out there already getting people ready to be found making their hearts restless, and sending them on a journey. There are people outside our doors who are searching and ready to be found by God. But we have to go outside our doors to meet them where they are. This is part of our vision as a church, opening our doors to welcome people in, but also opening our doors to go out and find them. And we can do this in confidence that the Spirit goes with us, And that Jesus goes ahead of us. We just have to listen and go where Jesus and the Spirit lead. And when we do, we may be surprised who the Spirit directs us to. The people we may meet may be as different from us as Philip was from the Ethiopian official. But because of the love of Jesus that was in Philip, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if, if the person that we meet has a sleeve of tattoos or has a different lifestyle or speaks a different language. It doesn't matter. They are a child of God who God wants to find and know that they are found. And we have the privilege of being a part of that. So, when you think about your neighbors, people you know who aren't somewhere today, in a church today, we need to pray to listen for God's Spirit, to build those relationships, to be out there on the road with people who aren't here, to have that relationship. Because most of us aren't aren't in the position of Philip where we can meet, run into somebody we've never met before and say, 
have them come and ask us questions about Jesus. That doesn't usually happen. Sometimes does. But more often, it's when we have relationships with others who aren't in church that those opportunities come up. And the Spirit will guide us when and what to say. Sometimes it's just as simple as, hey, we're running out for this fall. We want to share life with you. Why don't you come for a meal? That's what we're doing again. I find that's the simplest way to welcome people in out on the road. Because God does find us. And he works through us. And he's still at work today. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Indeed, we give thanks to God for all his good gifts to us. We now take up an offering for his work in the world.